nation. We have winter, spring, summer, and football. <laughs> so we are thankful to the Lord that we are entering into the best season of the year. And don't let that stop you from coming to church on Sundays. Amen. Amen. That God is, I know some of y'all feel like it's a close first and second, but God is greater than football. Amen. Amen. Um, Matthew chapter 14, this is, uh, you've, you've heard of this and you've read this text a million times. It's perhaps one of the most popular Christian texts uh, that, that we can read. And I want to read about 10 verses or so, and I want to talk to us from uh, the text about Jesus walking on the water and Peter's response to Jesus' beckoning to walk on the water. And it starts in verse 22. The word of the Lord says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And while he sent the multitude away, and when Jesus had set, sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it is a ghost and they cried out for fear but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying be of good cheer it is I do not be afraid and Peter answered him and said Lord if it is you command me to come to the water then he said come when Jesus and when Jesus and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat, came and worshiped him saying truly you are the son of God I, I want you to find three people real quick and I want you to look at them in the face and I want you to just tell them it's in the water 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 amen, amen. That's, th those were the wrong three people so find one more person and tell them there's something in the water so father in the name of our lord jesus christ i'm so grateful this morning to be a part of breaking the bread of life open to these your people father we don't take this moment as a vain passing moment but lord in this moment we rest our hearts to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. So, Father, I pray first and foremost that you would give me an anointing to preach the gospel. That you would give me an anointing to communicate the heart of heaven. And, Father, secondly, I ask that you would anoint these, your people, that we would have the ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, not the personality of a man, but what the Spirit of God is saying. And, Lord, in the mixture, there is transformation of our lives. And we are ready to be transformed by your grace and by your presence. And we bless you and we ask for this in the name of Jesus who is our Christ. Somebody shout amen. Amen. You can be seated in God's presence and look at somebody. Tell them it's okay. It's church. It's just church. It's just church. It's church. Give them a good smile. Tell them you don't have to have on the angry face. It's just church. Hey. <laughs> This is, uh, I, I want to spend a little bit of, of time speaking, one, prophetically to the people that are in this room, but also prophetically to the generation that is now at the precipice of, uh, of operating in full bloom uh, as it relates to God and as it relates to history, as it relates to the nation and the world that we live in. I want, I want you to take a broad perspective of this scripture, but I also want you to see it in a narrow scope of the scripture because our world is changing in this regard. Our world is changing because the guard of leadership is changing. 
this is critical to see. You see it at the national level, you see it at the international level, but also in local spaces and even perhaps in your own homes. It is just a fact of life. It's nothing super deep. It's nothing well, nothing that uh, has to be over uh, spiritualized. The reality is that if we keep living, generations are going to change. That if you stay alive long enough, you will go from one space in the continuum of humanity into another space of the continuum of humanity. And, and today, I particularly want to talk to Generation Now. I particularly want to talk to Generation Now, people who are operating in, the, in, in almost the peak of your, uh, your relevance as it relates to your position in community, your position in your family, your position in this world. So, I, so you might not dance and shout today, but I do intend to push on people who have now been called to the forefront of their families, the forefront of community, the forefront of ministry, the forefront of government. I do want to push on you a little bit because there is a tremendous responsibility to being called to now. When you are called to now, it is a tremendous responsibility. So, so I realize I'm not going to be talking to everybody, and I realize that some people don't want to be called, but I'm going to call you anyway. And for some, the, the day is passing. For others, the day is not yet. But to those that are called for right now, this word is for you. If I'm preaching to you today, shout, I'm here. You cannot understand, biblically speaking, preachers and studiers of scriptures, it's important that you understand that anything as it relates to the Bible, anything that you read one time in the Bible, there is always a pretext to the text that you're reading. And it's important for you to understand the context and the pretext to the text and scripture that you're reading because, uh, because whatever you're reading in that moment, things took place before it happened. While you're reading in this, before you get to the place of the, the walking on the water, there were things that preceded the walking on the water that allow you to understand or allow you to see more clearly what's taking place in any text that you read. And that's important in the Bible, but it's also important in real life, is that everybody in here is a walking and living text, but there is a context that is associated with your text. And you really have to be careful judging people if you don't know all the preceding actions that got them to this moment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so let's talk about some of the actions that took place in this moment before we really go into what took place in Matthew chapter 14. Because what, what, there, there is a theological uh, uh, space of which things are moving and there are some very natural things that are taking place in uh, in the text that you have to be aware of before you really understand that Jesus wasn't just walking on water to show off he wasn't just walking on water to show off so the first thing that took place at the beginning of this chapter is John the Baptist was uh, was executed who was John the Baptist John the Baptist was Jesus's cousin John the Baptist was given the assignment by God to forerun before Jesus. In other words, John the Baptist was the one that was telling everybody that Jesus was coming. His message, according to Scripture, was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was his primary message to the world. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when they looked at him and said, oh, you must be our Messiah, John the Baptist deflected that and said, there is one that is coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to unlatch. He said that there is somebody bigger than me that I am a man, but he is the man. And he's coming after me. And my job is to prepare the groundwork for you. It is prepare the groundwork rather for him. And the way that that happens is if there is repentance, then the kingdom can fully operate. So he preached, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. How many of you understand that there are some blessings that only come through your repentance? There are some blessings that are on the other side of making your peace with God and being on the same team as him. So he says, I'm going to lay the groundwork and I'm going to preach repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He took that message to a very high place. He took it to Herod's wife. Herod would have been the mayor of his era. He took it to the mayor's house and he prophesied to the mayor's wife. And she got upset because his prophetic eye was so keen, he challenged the way that they were doing governance. And whenever you challenge power, sometimes you have to be prepared for the repercussions of what it takes to challenge power. 
he challenged power and what his wife tells his wife goes to Herod and he says I want John the Baptist dead and Herod said that John has done nothing so we're not going to kill John and then there was then his daughter had a birthday I hope she wasn't a September baby like the rest of us but he had a he had a she had a birthday and he was trying to celebrate his daughter and he tells his daughter that I will do whatever it is that you want done so the mother got to the daughter and said this is what you want to tell your father that you want John the Baptist's head on a platter she goes to her dad and says that I want John the Baptist's head on a platter and the father honoring his his command to his daughter he has John the Baptist arrested and then beheaded and what happens now is not just that there is the assassination of a very important biblical figure but it is critical to understand that what took place was now a spiritual shift or a spiritual transference or a spiritual transferring of something that God was trying to do in the earth what God was trying to perform and what God was trying to operate and what God was trying to do in the earth was he was positioning Jesus because it was Jesus' time. Somebody shout, it's his time. It was Jesus' time. First it was John's time, now it's Jesus' time. And it's critical. And I've, as I talk to generations and, the, and as I talk to the people in this room, it is your time. It is time. And in order for God to make, to, to make room for you, he has to remove other things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In order for God to make room for you, some things have to be taken off the stage in order for there to be room on your stage. And this is critical as it relates to God. This is critical as it relates to you because this is the will and the work of God. And you cannot be angry at God over who he moves off the stage when he's trying to make room for you. This is generation now. Somebody shout, I'm generation now. When your generation now, in your house, in your family, in your community, in your church, you've got to be okay that God is making room for you. And when God makes room for you, what he has to do first is he has to elevate your influence. When God elevates your influence, that means that voices in previous seasons will not have as much influence as your emerging voice. That could be in your house, that could be in your church, that could be in the community. It could be, it could be that now you are becoming the center of the family and people want to listen to you now instead of listening to the last season's um, uh, pre preeminent and dominant voice. This is the way that God operates. When God gets ready to do something in your life and elevate you to a space, the first thing he has to do is make room for you. John the Baptist's death was the end of an era. It was God making room for what Jesus was now about to come in and usher to do. After John the Baptist is, is dead, the Bible says that they take John's body down and they go give him a proper burial. And it's important that you understand that as well, that they honored him while he was living, but they also honored him in his death. They didn't trash all his traditions as he lost his influence. But instead, they honored all of his traditions as he lost his influence. And the Bible says that shortly thereafter, Jesus starts to accumulate a group of 12 men to start walking with him. These 12, of these 12, at least three of them we know were at first John the Baptist's disciples. We know that Peter, being one of them, was a disciple of John the Baptist, followed John around, told John, I'll stand with you while you usher in this next thing. And Peter went from John's group to Jesus's group as the revelation that Jesus was the Messiah started to become apparent. Are y'all still with me this morning? What happens now is that John is put in the ground and Jesus has done a miracle in Cana, meaning that they have seen him turn water to wine. And then he is now in the middle of the desert preaching a sermon to 5,000 people. This takes place before they walk on water. He preaches the sermon to 5,000 people. While he's preaching this sermon to 5,000 people, it's important to know that historically speaking, they only will account for the men in ancient texts. So if we just say that 5,000 men and half of them were married, that's 7,500 people. If they had two children each household, that's over 10,000 people that Jesus just got finished preaching a sermon to. The Bible says that they got hungry and the disciples said, let us let them go to the city. And instead of letting them go to the city, scripture says that Jesus tells them, we're going to feed them. Just have them sit down. They sit down and he finds a boy that has a lunch. He takes his two fish, he takes his five loaves and he begins to break them after he has blessed them and he begins to feed the 5,000 men plus their wives and their children that were listening. 
I don't think that anybody there uh, would have would have thought that I was out of pale by saying that if I would have watched a man take a little bag from a boy's lunch and just keep feeding over 5,000 people from this little bag, I would have been relatively impressed with what I saw. I don't know what kind of magic this is, what kind of voodoo this is, but let me have that bread because just, just make sure there's enough for me and for my family coming out of this bag. And I would have been impressed when I went to sit down to eat it. I really would have. And there are some things that you're not impressed about, but you got to be really impressed when a man gets to about the, the, the 2,000th person and he's still pulling out bread enough to make people full. The scripture says that after he gets finished feeding those 5,000, 5,000 people. What we are certain of is that when miraculous things happen around us, even if they don't necessarily happen to us, we go tell people. So now there is a, a first century marketing team hitting the ground helping tell the world about who Jesus is. Because whenever God gets ready to elevate you, first he has to make room for you. Then he has to expand your exposure. He expands Jesus' exposure. How did people know about Jesus? They didn't have Instagram, and they didn't have Facebook, and they couldn't run ads on television. They didn't have flyover planes to talk about his power. They became the people, started to tell the story about Jesus, and his fame grew because of that moment in the, in, in the desert where he fed 5,000. When God expands his exposure, Jesus does what each one of us should do. When God expands your exposure, and by exposure, I'm not talking about giving you a TV show, and I'm not talking about making you sewer, you know, like some kind of uh, a social media vixen. I'm talking about when God expands your exposure at your job, and people that have power start to recognize your effectiveness. When he exposes you, your, your gift at your ministry, or in your community, or in your family, and he expands the exposure and people start to talk about the exploits God is doing through you it is cause for you to do what Jesus did instead of Jesus lining, you know signing up and creating himself a website page and tell everybody that I'm real good at preaching Jesus went to an upper room and began to pray I want you to hear what I'm trying to tell you is that you think you want exposure, but exposure comes with responsibility. The higher you go up, the more visible you become. And the more visible you become, the more people get to see even the stuff you don't want them to see. They see. And you've got to ask yourself, are you sure you want all this exposure you've been praying to God for? Because you don't, you don't really know how difficult it is to be critiqued until you're good at something that needs to be criticized. And once you get good at something that is criticized, then you realize that that book you proud about, everybody didn't like it. And that painting that you was excited about, everybody's not excited about it. And that, and that picture you thought was cute, everybody's not going to think it's cute. But, so you've got to be careful with exposure. So Jesus says, I've got to go into this room and begin to pray over my life so that I can deal with the exposure that comes with being gifted at what God told me to operate in. I've got to pray for the exposure. Pray that I stay humble. Pray that all the pieces around me can handle what God is doing in my life. Pray that I don't lose my church. Pray that I don't sway my wife. Pray that my children don't walk away from me. Pray when God gets ready to bless you it is selfish of you to think that your blessing only rocks your world your blessing rocks the world of everybody that is connected to you and if you want to be blessed you better start praying for all the pieces next to you because when your world shakes their world shakes and they've got to have an anointing to stand where you have been gifted to operate in Jesus goes to the upper room. He begins to pray. But in the meantime, before he gets to pray, he tells his disciples, why don't you guys get on the boat and meet me on the other side? I want y'all to go to the other side. I'll meet you over here when I get done praying. Because not only am I not going to let these 5,000 people make me get the big head, I'm not going to let the, f the 12 people that I spend the most time with give me the big head. And you got to be careful, not just of the masses. You got to be careful of the people that's around you. Because there are people that are around you that love you so much they won't tell you that you're messing up. 
There are people around you that love you so much, they won't tell you that you're in error. They won't tell you that, nah, that wasn't your best sermon, bro. They won't tell you that, that you was a little bit off key right there. There are people around you, so he told them all, get the 5,000 away from me, and all y'all that are close to me that won't tell me about myself, get on a boat and go somewhere else. Let me spend some time with God. The Bible says that when they get on this boat, they start rowing out and, and the wind started to blow and it became real boisterous. And the scripture says that the sea became very difficult for them to operate in. I believe the word is contrary, which is the word that they use. Now, what contrary means is to work against. So what is happening now is that the sea is working against them. And they're trying to work their way through the sea to get to the other side because that's where Jesus told them to go. But the sea is not working with them. It is contrary to them. If you understand the water, you understand that the water is not a thing that moves on its own per se. The water is usually affected by the equator or by the center of the earth and by the wind. So the reason why the water was working against the boat was because the Bible said the wind was blowing so much. So it wasn't so much the water working against the boat. The wind was using the water to work against where they were trying to go. Are y'all still with me? They are working. Watch this. They are fishermen. These are guys that are in boats every day of their lives. These are strong men. They are not timid men. They are men that are used to working with their hands and lugging heavy weights. They are used to navigating through choppy and difficult waters on that sea. In fact, my wife and I were able to be on that sea, and the sea wasn't that big. I mean, like, they should have been able to get across about 45 minutes or so of rowing, and experienced rowers, there is no way that they should have been stuck in the middle of that sea. Even though the wind was blowing, they are experienced at operating the boat, and experienced at operating this particular instrument. Now, here's the thing that I want everybody that God is trying to do something in your life to understand is that when the thing that should be working isn't working one or two things are happening either God is done using that vehicle to bless you or he's trying to tell you something I'm going to help y'all with that one more time because y'all didn't shout amen loud enough. Uh, when, the, when the thing that has worked for you for many years stops working all of a sudden, when the attitude that used to get you your way stops working all of a sudden, when the maneuverability of your energy don't get you your way anymore and it stops working, when, your, when, the, the, when, the, when the tone of your tongue and the slip of your hip and the dopeness of your appearance doesn't get you where you used to go, one or two things are happening. Either God is saying that I'm about to do something in your life or he's saying that I am no longer going to validate this vehicle as a proper way for you to go from where you are to where I got to get you to. I'm going to help somebody in here. See, God was looking at the boat saying, y'all are too comfortable in this boat. This boat is what you got your trust in and your trust is not in me. So I'm going to let the wind blow to the degree that all of the comfortability that you thought was going to help you do what I told you to do, I'm going to make you see that there is an adversary that is stronger than the concoction of your brain and you are going to need me if you're going to get to the other side. Now this is interesting because while they're in the middle of the boat, uh, in the middle of the sea struggling for their lives and they are getting, they're starting to get the Bible say troubled by the sea Jesus gets done praying and the Bible said that he begins to walk across the sea to get to the other side and that is critical and that's very interesting because he is walking according, across the sea as if walking on the sea is a normal regular method of said that Jesus gets up and he was going to the other side by way of the sea the Bible said he was go like he didn't think it that big of a deal he was just like I'm just gonna walk to the other side y'all get on the boat and go I'll see y'all over there and he just walked on the other side of he's walking on the water like the water is land I don't know about y'all but that's pretty miraculous to me that a guy who has the mindset that what I think is a miracle is normal 
what I think is a miracle is normal. And the Bible says in the book of Mark, a very different uh, version of uh, account of events, he said that Jesus was not just walking on the water, but he would have passed them by. The Bible said he was walking on the water and would have passed them by. Now that's something else for you, is that Jesus was walking on the water and the last thing he was expecting was to see experienced boatmen struggling in the water. He was going to walk past them and go to the other side and then he heard them shouting, Jesus, is that you? And Jesus turned around like, what are y'all doing in the middle of the, I'm just walking by trying to do what I do and you are doing a thing that you're good at but it ain't working for you right now. I don't understand how an experienced boatman is having a problem in the water and Jesus had to stop not because he was, he, because the storm was so bad or anything like that. Jesus had to stop because he was not expecting them to be struggling in the scenario in which they were in. And they said, Jesus! And Jesus looked over and the Bible said they were troubled by watching Jesus walk on the water. And the reason why they were troubled is because they assumed that it was a ghost. They tell Jesus that, man, you must be a ghost. This was a ghost. They're talking to each other like, we are scared. We can't get out of here. The wind is dominating our lives. And here comes this guy that's a ghost. But they called him Jesus. They knew that it was him, but they wanted to attribute him to being a ghost. Now, stay with me because I'm going to help y'all in your elevation. I'm going to help you in your elevation. What happens now is they are having a problem with what they see not who he is they're having a problem with what they see not who he is they called him by his name but they saw him as being a ghost and they had a problem with the fact that he was doing something that in their limited thinking about him he should not be doing they had a perspective that he's like us and he should be walking on a, in a boat like us and walking on water is not something that he should be doing but I see him doing something outside of what I personally believe about his aptitude and what they missed is that the whole journey leading up to that point was God helping Jesus understand that he was now to operate at another level at first he was to sit with his friends and pick them out and they thought that he was just like them and then he turned water to wine and they say he ain't like the rest of us and then he feeds 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread and he is now beginning to express the elevated thought of God over his life and now he starts walking on water because he's walking in the power of who God has called him to be and when his disciples see him they call him a ghost instead of calling him God because there are some people that want you to always be who they think you should be instead of announcing and calling out what God is doing in your life I prophesy to everybody in this room that God sends you people in your life that are not in intimidated by you and your power that are not afraid of you in your full power that are not going to diminish or downplay they're not insecure because you walk in your full power because when God raises your level he doesn't expect you to move around with a boat mentality when you got walking on water ability I need somebody in here with a walking on water mentality mentality to raise your voice in this room this morning. I, listen, I get it, I get it, I get it. When God elevates your life, it is an insult to God for you to play smaller than the way that God puts you. I believe that when you look up and every time you look up, you're in a room that you can't afford to be in. You're around people that you don't see yourself being around. Every time you turn around, you're in a space that you can't afford. Perhaps that is what God thinks about you. So he keeps orchestrating places for you to be and, and he keeps orchestrating situations for you to be in that place because God sees you there and it's not that you're uncomfortable because they don't want you there they want you there because God wants you there the, answer, the question you gotta ask yourself is do I see myself there and you cannot shriek from your elevated level back down to a comfortable level to make people that won't celebrate you y'all are not talking back to me I'll start talking slang and crazy if you help me pay for this $120,000 college bill I got. If not, I'm using all these words and you just gonna have to deal with me. Y'all are not talking back. 
Am I helping it? Touch your neighbor and say, don't downplay yourself. Don't downplay yourself. God made you amazing. Be amazing. God made you wonderful. Be wonderful. God made you intelligent. Be intelligent. God made you smart. Be smart. And if somebody can't handle how God has elevated your life and choose to call you a ghost instead of call you God's creation, walk on by the boat. Touch your neighbor, say, you somebody something. Tell your neighbor, you somebody. My grandmother used to say that. Boy, you somebody something. I need you to tell your neighbor, you somebody something. And I need you to look back at him and say, I sure am. I sure am. I'm not being arrogant. I just know who I am. I'm not being high-minded. I know who I am. I'm not being arrogant. I know who I am. And I'm not better than you, but there's some stuff you do. I'm better than. And I'm going He said, he's walking on water now. He's walking on the water, and he comes up to the boat, and they, they're trying to call him. They're trying to say he's a ghost. And Jesus says, I'm not a ghost. It's me. It's me. It's me. And y'all, listen, I want y'all to walk at y'all proper level, so don't feel bad. You know, I'll get used to it. If you got to do Ruth's Chris while I'm still doing Applebee's, don't you come down to Applebee's every other weekend with me talking about, because God is going to say, why did I bless you with all that? <laughs> you see what I'm saying we'll get used to it we'll do one or two things either we'll separate from you or we'll find a way to meet you there a couple times a month a couple times a couple times are you hearing what I'm saying now watch this. This, this this is critical because Jesus says it's me he says it is me he says take courage it is me I it is I he says take courage now the literal translation of the word uh, take courage the Greek uh, it, it means it doesn't read take courage it would read put on courage he would say put on courage so I, I want you to understand how this dialogue is happening now is that Peter is standing on the boat and they're whispering and they're saying back to, G, to each other that that must be a ghost I don't know how Jesus heard it but obviously he was offended by it he said that's not a ghost it's me and, G, and Peter, Peter and then he says don't be afraid some Bibles say don't be afraid other Bibles say be of good cheer or be courageous be, be of good cheer what, it, what that phrase is literally saying is put on courage what Jesus is now doing is he is redirecting the conversation because something is about to go down he says he's a ghost he's a ghost Jesus said it is me now put on your courage because I'm about to require something of you put on your courage see God encourage is that courage is not something you've got to get courage is something you already got and when it comes to God God doesn't try to hurry up and get you courage when he takes you to the next level he demands what he has put inside of you to come out on the outside of you I want you to understand how much God believes in you is that when God died on the cross the Bible said that the same spirit that lives in him he put it inside of you and inside of you is the spirit of God which means everything that God is lives inside of you so when God commands you to put your courage he is not saying go get brave he is saying get inside of me and pull out of me what I put inside of you you don't have to become courageous you already are courageous all you've got to do is stand and watch the salvation of the Lord operate over your life while you've got courage wrapped around your shoulders he said Peter put on your courage Peter says Peter puts on his courage and he said, watch what happens after he puts on his courage. They were just afraid. Now he got on courage. And he said, if it's you, bid me to come out on the water. Now he brave. If it's me, if it's you, Jesus, bid me, bid me's command. Tell me, make me, do it. Any of y'all ever do that when God gives you a command, you, you want him to guide? I'll do it, but you got to. I know I'm the only one that does that. I'll be like, God, if you really want me to do this, then you got to make them say no. If you really want me to do this, then you got to make them reject my, if you really want me to do this, then they have them send it back. That's what he was saying. If you really want me, you want me to put on, put on courage, and if you really want me to come out on this water, then make me come out. And God said, I'm trying to take you to another level, so I'm going to command you to come out. And this is important that we understand, because I'm so grateful that God will never go to a place that he's not willing to bring us with him to. 
God, help me in this place. There was one place in the Bible where God said, if we can't go yet, he said, I got to go to prepare a place for you. Where I'm going, you can't go right now, but I got to go to prepare a place for you. He said, but eventually I'm going to bring you there too. But there was never a place on earth where Jesus went where his disciples could not go because he wanted them to see that the same power that operated inside of them operates inside, uh, in him operates inside of them as well. So Jesus was like, I'm out here on the water. I'm going to bid you to come out here on the water because I want you to understand that you have the ability to walk on water. That sounds absolutely crazy that a man gets out and walk on water, but for some strange reason, I believe it. And, and because I believe it, it also helps me believe other strange things. I just happen to believe other stuff like that if I lay hands on the sick, they're going to recover. I just happen to believe that there is a prophetic utterance that can radically shift my life. I just happen to believe that if I trust and I speak and decree and declare a thing it shall be so I just happen to believe that if I come into agreement whereas touching two or three of us touching an agreement it shall be as we have said I just happen to believe that if I call anything out in the name of Jesus demons have to tremble demons have to back up that's just what I have I know that sounds crazy as crazy as walking on water but for some strange reason I believe that when I hear the name of Jesus the atmosphere starts to cool off the devil starts to slow down I start to get courage and the things of God start to get done I need somebody in here that was afraid to look at your neighbor and say put on your courage it's time for you to do something you've never done before he gets out and he the Bible says he starts to come down the boat and he gets down on the boat and why Walking on the boat, y'all have, y'all. How many of y'all ever been uh, 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 parachuting? Ever, ever? Any of y'all ever done the parachute? Yeah, you done that. You done that. I see y'all in the back. Y'all crazy, okay? <laughs> but I see you in the balcony. You crazy? I've done it a couple of times myself. But and what happens is there's a little step, right? And so you're on the plane. And, and if you're doing tandem, the guy's behind you or the girl's behind you, and you scoot, 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 scoot to the edge, and then they got a little bar right there, and you grab the bar, and then you step out on the ledge, and listen to me, there are a couple things that are really scary about jumping out the plane, and one of them is stepping out on that ledge. And it's one of those things where you spend 45 minutes, an hour in the class, they teaching you, you're doing it all great and stuff while you're on the ground. And then when you get up in the air, you're like, oh, there's the bar right there. Uh, uh, okay, there's the first bar. Scoot, scoot, scoot. And this is the way I imagine Peter trying to get out the boat, right? Because the Bible said that he came down. And you're just like, uh, all right, that's, that's solid. That's step number one. This is solid. And now here comes the water test. He looks at Jesus. It's going to be on you, sir. <laughs> Something happens when I step out on this water. <laughs> I'm walking. <laughs> whoa. Whoa. I'm walking on water. And the Bible says that while he's doing what he never thought he could do, see, sometimes God will bless your life and he'll move you so fast that you'll be doing what you never thought you'd do. You never thought you could be a good parent and you are. You never thought you could be a good spouse and you are. And you never thought you could be a good this and you are. And you'll be like, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm walking on I can't believe I'm in a season of my life where I am doing what I never thought I could ever I thought it would never happen for me because I used to follow John the Baptist and they killed the last guy that I followed and I don't know what they're going to do with this guy but I'm going to follow him and now uh, this guy got me doing stuff that the last guy couldn't get me to do and this is the best season of whoa and the Bible says and he starts to look up and he sees the wind blowing. And while the wind is blowing, he, he starts getting afraid because the wind is blowing. And in his fear, he starts to sink. 
He starts to sink in his fear. Can, can I rewind for a second? Because we started the story by saying the wind was blowing. And we started the story by saying the wind was blowing. But nobody really had a problem with the wind blowing while they was in their boat. All I couldn't do is I just couldn't get to the end. But now that the wind was blowing, I really wasn't concerned myself getting to the end. I was surviving and the wind was blowing. And while the wind was blowing, it really wasn't that big of a deal as long as I was in my boat. And now Jesus comes walking on the water and the wind is blowing, but he's still walking on the water. They're having a dialogue and a conversation about, about him coming out of the boat and is this Jesus or not. But the wind is still blowing. They're having dialogue with God while the wind is still blowing. And here's the thing about God is that God doesn't always stop the wind from blowing in your life. What he does is he commands your focus on what he's trying to do in your life. And it's not that the devil, y'all not talking back to me in here. See what happens is now they're on the other side and he's out the boat. He's starting to sink in the water because he's focusing on all the wind. He's focusing on the family issues and he's focusing on who's talking about him and he's focusing on who don't like him and who's jealous about him and who can't believe he's walking at this elevated level. But he's in the best season of his life and he's about to forfeit the joy in the best season of his life because he's so focused on what everybody is saying and he's sinking while he's in the best season of his life I wonder who I'm talking to you cannot let the wind rob you of the joy of the wonderful things God is doing in your life right now am I preaching to anybody in here raise your voice and give God a shout The devil will mess up the best season of your life if you let him. And can I tell you something anyway? They was talking about you before you walked out on the water. They were, y'all wish I had, y'all ain't talking back to me in here. They had something to say about you before you stepped out on faith. You, ah, uh, God help me in this place. I came to tell somebody that no voice that rises up against you will be able to stop what God is trying to do in your life. But you have to focus on where God is taking you. Somebody shall focus. God, I wish I had some help in here. Touch your neighbor real quick. Shout focus. Tell them focus. I, I said find a neighbor and tell them focus. The Bible says that he will keep you in perfect peace whose eyes are stayed or focused on him. And you cannot allow life to happen around you to rob you of your focus because you've got to get to the other side of where you started. The devil, somebody shout the devil. Let me tell you how wonderful God is because God looks at him and while they're having their dialogue and their conversation, they're having their dialogue and their conversation, watch this, in the face of the devil. <laughs> and that makes the devil even more mad <laughs> because he can't get in your conversation that you're having with God. He's trying to mess up everything in your life, but you're too focused on being happy. You're too focused on experiencing the joy of your life. You're too focused on being whole and, and made well. You're too focused on being newly this and newly that. You're too excited about what God is doing. And the devil just rages even matter. And it doesn't matter because I'm with God. I'm not in that boat. And you can tip that boat over if you want I'm out here on the water with God he said Bible says that he starts falling he says Jesus Bible says Jesus reached out his hand he peels him up God help me Jesus picks him up Jesus picks him up and we be like oh man Peter lost faith Peter like Jesus said oh yeah a little faith he said he said you're a little faith and then and then they walked back over to the boat and got in the boat. He said, he said, all right, y'all going to get this later because y'all give Peter such a hard time for not having faith and sinking. But the Bible said that they walked back to the boat and got, I'm going to try this class over here. All right. But y'all see, y'all give Peter such a hard time. But the Bible said that after Peter grabbed Jesus' hand and stood up, Peter started walking again back on the, because you can recover. Uh, I'm going to help somebody. Uh, that Jesus, he didn't jump on Jesus. You can recover after having a bad season in your life. And, oh, and you can recapture. I wish I had some help in this room. I need somebody that's in a recovery season of your life to raise your voice and give God a praise. Because he's the kind of God that helps you recover. 
I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. But I need you to grab your neighbor real quick and say it's in the water, it's in the water, it's in the water. You don't build this kind of faith in the boat. You got to get out and start that business. Get out and love somebody again. Get out and try your best at something that makes you uncomfortable. You don't get this kind of power in the boat. You've got to get out and be a water walker to see the salvation of God happen in your life. Where are my water walkers in this house? Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. They get back into the boat. Jesus tells Peter to get in the boat. And while Matthew doesn't record it, another gospel records that Jesus gets in the boat. He looks around. He's watching the wind. He's watching all the naysayers and the finger pointers and the people that don't like your ascension, the people that are not happy with God blessing you so much. And he's like, man, that messed y'all's boat up. I couldn't finish and get to the other side like I... And then Peter caused you to think. He says, and y'all gave this so much power the scriptures say he looks up and he says peace be still and the storm that was raging that's it that's it he didn't fret he wasn't frantic he just said peace be still and the bible says the people looked over at Jesus and started worshiping and said man he must be the, the son of God but but I can imagine Peter thinking to himself, I just almost forfeited the joy of walking on water because I let something that God was in control of anyway get me off focus. Something that God could fix anytime he was ready to fix it. Something that God could shut down anytime he was ready to shut down. So, so what was I ever afraid of? And what was I ever frustrated about? And why did I ever lose sleep over this? And why did I ever get out of myself to try to defend myself against the wind? Who knows where rumors start? Who knows where lies began? Who knows? He said... And, and maybe that's why God sent you here this morning for me to remind you that getting stuck in the water is not your destiny that you don't have to quit on your destiny because you gave power to the wind see there are some people that are in this room that should be so much further in life but they just they just, they just want to be entangled in the wind you can have so much more in this life. You can have so much more joy. You can have, you can have given yourself to your business and given yourself to people that love you back and all this kind of stuff. But you, but, but something happened and you're stuck in this water and you're trying, you're trying. But I'm not. But I'm fighting the wrong thing. You focused on, you focused on the win. So it's easier to troll who's winning than to find a way to win. It's easier to make light of who's winning than to find a way to be the winner you know you can be. So Jesus says that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And every voice that rises up against you, he says, I'm going to mute it and make it quiet. Why am I saying that? Generation now is that John the Baptist is dead. Why am I saying that? Because John the Baptist is dead. And if you are going to be the next person on the stage of your family and the stage of your community, the stage of your church, the stage of this government, the stage of our society, if you are going to take responsibility and stand in your place on stage, all this, from what God is trying to do in your life. Your 
destiny is not to struggle in the middle of the sea. It's to get to the other side. I want you to grab your neighbor's hands. Listen, if I'm preaching to you, if I'm talking to you, you say, Pastor T, I just want somebody to pray with me. Because this is a test of faith and faith. Fear is the opposite of your faith. And the enemy wants you to be afraid. He wants you to operate in fear. He wants you to operate in fear that if you release yourself to the joy of the moment, that somebody's going to let you down. He wants you to operate in fear that if you release yourself to step out on faith, to do some things God put in your belly and in your spirit and in your heart, that failure is going to be your doomed end. I come in the name of Jesus. I come against it in the name of Jesus. I come against that in the name of Jesus. The stage is empty. It's waiting on us. It's waiting on us to move the agenda of the kingdom of God forward. It's waiting on us. And you got to get past your fears and you have to get past your insecurities and you have to get past thinking that your part is too small and it is not as big as somebody else's part. You've got to get over your inferiority complexes. You have to get over it. You have to get over it. The fact of the matter is God chose you. God chose you. God chose you. God chose you. Fact of the matter, God chose you. And there's an empty stage. (laughs) There's an empty stage waiting on the next preacher, waiting on the next singer, waiting on the next scientist, waiting on the next doctor, waiting on the next parent, waiting on the next educator. There is a stage. He's prepared it all for you. But if by chance you stay on the boat, you'll miss the opportunity to be center stage. Not for your glory, not for your fame, but for the kingdom of God can move forward. God is looking for the water walkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel the Holy Spirit in here. God is waiting for the water walkers. God is waiting for the water walkers. God is waiting for the water walkers. And maybe I'm preaching to myself this morning, but God is waiting for the water walkers. Whereas fear has no no help, fear has no power over you. God is waiting on the water walkers. He's waiting on the ones that are going to take the chance and take the risk. Stepping out on nothing, but trusting you're going to land on something. That's who God is waiting on in the name of Jesus. So God, I pray for the hands I'm holding now. And I don't know if I can do this or not, but God, I just release faith into their hands. I release faith into their lives. I release faith to trust your pattern, to trust your decrees, to trust your decision on them being the called ones for this hour. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we walk in that power boldly. We walk in that calling boldly, unafraid, unashamed, knowing that this is the moment that has been predestined for us to move in accordance to the word of God. Lord, I bless you for it now, and I thank you for it. And I speak over your life, sir, that has made the mistakes, ma'am, that have made the mistakes, sir, that have been waddling for years in the center of the water, woman, that have allowed the wind to keep you stagnant for seasons upon seasons. You can recover. 